Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, coming at you on March 16th, 2022, Austin 316 day. Oh. Tyler, did you know Stone Cold Steve Austin's coming back to WrestleMania? Is he? Yeah, he's going to be like in a segment, and they're saying he's going to wrestle like a match, but I don't think it's really a match. But How old is he? Like 54. No chance like he's that young. 10 mil. No, yeah, he's not as old as you think. He retired young, Ty, for a wrestler. Let's see, Steve Austin age. My laptop's me. It's 57. Damn. I mean, that's still almost 60, which feels too old to be wrestling. <laughs> Today we are reviewing not Stone Cold Steve Austin, but the latest Pixar, Disney Pixar animated release, Turning Red, straight to your living room TVs on Disney Plus, Ty. Um, a little surprise, this movie wasn't in theaters. It actually had a theater run of one week at a Disney-owned movie theater in Los Angeles. I did some research about that. Oh. Um, so, and it has some international releases on in countries that don't have Disney Plus. So it does have some sort of box office, but a straight to Disney Plus, no premiere access, made me a little bit worried. Like, is this movie going to be mediocre like Luca? Yep. Um, I don't know if it was quite that. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't Luca. Um, it was better <laughs> than I expected. Still surprised it went to Disney Plus, but um, a big movie. I mean, if this came out in theaters and it wasn't COVID, it'd make $700 million. It was a theater movie, and then they pivoted and said, fuck it, throw yeah. it on streaming. Which I just don't understand the logistics of that, but I don't know. I'm not a businessman. They they seem to figure it out. Let's get into the show. Time, it works every time. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I don't feel so good. I'm not fucking leaving. May Lee is a 13-year-old girl who is torn between being her mother's obedient daughter and the chaos of her youth. As if that were not enough, when she gets too excited, she turns into a big red panda. Is that it? That's it. That's a short and sweet synopsis. That's much longer than the one on IMDb. Yes, yes. Um, Wait, longer than the one on IMDb? Yeah, the one on IMDb is just a 13-year-old girl named Maylene turns into a giant panda whenever she gets too excited. This says Maylene is one word. The synopsis online says 
May Lee as two words. Because she had it was like a nickname. She had her actual name, but then they called her May Lee, but her real name was like May Lynn or whatever. May May Lynn Lee was her name. We just got a comment oh. from the peanut gallery. I don't know if the podcast picked that up. <laughs> um little bit of a controversial movie tie. Oh, big time. For Pixar, because there are, you know, the whole movie um from the instant it was announced at that Disney Investors Day. Remember that day? We had a whole podcast about it. It was like an hour and a half podcast. It's a great day. Yeah, but that feels like it like just happened. No, that feels like a lifetime ago. Really? Yeah, complete opposite. Feels so long ago. Distant memory. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, now here we are, but we knew as soon as it was announced, it, it sounded like it was going to have some sort of period innuendos. And not only was it in innuendo, but it straight up addressed um, periods in young women. Um, you know, with her, her mom having the pads and everything yep. and like her mom thinking she started a period instead of the giant red panda thing. Um, it's just a fucked up thing to keep from your kid. Um, but there, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> controversy, controversy. I don't want to say a lot. Cause I feel like this is one of those silent minority things where it's like the minority of people are pissed off, but they're just the loudest about it. But there are people that are pissed off. Yeah, and I mean, it, it is showing on, like, Rotten Tomatoes. It's a 95 critic, 72 audience. Yeah. So it isn't, like, that minority is going out and shit-talking it. Yeah. For very stupid reasons. Yeah, I, I just... <sighs> I, I don't get it because, like, I, I don't know. I don't have kids yet, and I don't plan on having a child for at least, I don't know how old am I, 23? I don't know, five to six years, Um, as much as Riley says that's getting dangerous with the age of women um i just i I don't see i'm never gonna and maybe i'm a a bad future parent for this but i feel (laughs) like i'm never gonna like hide that kind of stuff from my kids like the fact that they may turn into a panda yes exactly okay i'm no like i'm not gonna outright tell like my six-year-old like hey i fucked your mom last night or something (laughs) but like if a kid is like nine (laughs) years old like if gavin like well, here's the thing is Ga- I'm not Gavin's father, so I-, I am a little out of place, so I probably wouldn't do this. But if Gavin was my son and he's 10 years old and he came okay. up to me and was like, how are babies are made? I would just tell him. Like, I don't see how hiding it and trying to hold on and coddle children is helpful. So, like, again, I'm not going to go up to a five-year-old girl and be like, hey, you're going to have a period soon. But if Haley – she would never ask me about it. That would be fucking weird of her. Um, but if I was Haley's father and she asked me about it, I would tell her straight up about it. I'd be like, this is exactly what happens and be prepared for it. And like kids that are too young, the pads thing is going to fly completely over their head. You buy pads at the store when you go to Target with that same five-year-old. Yep. You know what I mean? You, If they have an older sibling, that older sibling is using the pads and everything or, you know, tampons, whatever feminine products you use. I just I don't understand like if it's super young it's gonna fly over their heads not even matter like Chloe she's seven she loves movie and I don't think she even thought about it you know what I mean yeah and the older kids that might have questions they're they should know like what's the point of hiding it like the whole I don't want to say the whole message of the movie but part of the message was like not hiding this thing that's gonna happen to a young you know her daughter and her daughter being upset that she hided it from her like the parents are getting mad about it and are kind of playing into the movie almost a hundred percent. Like, that's what's funny about it. I, I like your outlook on being a parent, though. Thank you, Ty. I, I tell Victoria all the time when uh, I become a dad, I'm not going to tell my children I love them, so that way I can save it up for one really strong, like, hey, I love you. What does it have to do with telling them about sex? I don't know. It's just I was thinking about it. <laughs> and so I'm just like, hey, I'm not going to say it. And your kids are going to have childhood trauma because they no, don't no, think their but father then loves them. They're going to think back to that one moment. <laughs> 
It's just gonna. It's not. I'm not gonna. It's not like I'm never gonna say it. I'm just gonna save it. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> no, yeah, I, it's it's very odd, and a lot of the parents are freaking out because like the girl like fucking got all like dreamy about a boy and you yeah. know that kind of stuff, and oh, this is you know that's not appropriate for kids, but like that's just realistic. Yeah, that's just how like teenagers and kids at this point in their life are and like that kind of stuff like it, it i have this theory that there are the there's a selective group of people aka karen's uh white ladies mostly fuck yeah um that that there's like this this um notion from a certain group of people that like the other side of the aisle spectrum whatever you want to call it made everything soft like the other side it's like oh we can't have princess movies anymore because a a girl can't, you know, depend on a boy. Oh, this other side thinks Beauty and the Beast is bad because Belle is, even though if you really think about it, Beauty and the Beast, it's kind of like Belle is, you know, kidnapped and everything. Whatever. But, like, <laughs> like there's this make-believe argument from this certain group of people that there's another group of people that are making everything so soft. But, ironically, that first group of people that thinks the other group is making it so soft is now the ones being soft about a teenage girl being dreamy over a boy band. Cause when you really think about it, what's the difference between that and beauty and the beast or, you know, snow white or where it takes a man's kiss to save them. Like, yeah, what's, what is the difference? And it's like, I, I don't know if those people that think the other side is making them soft have become soft ironically and not realized it. Like, like, you, Oh I, no, sexuality bad. And like all that kind of shit. Yeah, I, I just I don't get it. I don't I don't get how like a parent could watch this be like, oh, this is so bad. She's, you know, fantasizing over this boy band or whatever, and like not like disgusting fantasizing, like you know, like a typical like they were a mermaid. Yeah, yeah like a, te- a typical teenage shit. girl would do. But like, and then like, but you would show them like, oh, let me show you my cartoons, and it's you know, a woman, all the women on a man basically telling Gaston to come fuck them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like- <laughs> Um, and I, I don't think either thing is necessarily an issue, quite frankly. Um, so I, I, I just don't get it. Yeah. I, I, it's weird because like this movie, I guess is more direct with how they handle it, but there's been a lot of stuff. Like I know one notable review is like, oh, it's teaching kids that like not listening to their parents and everything is good. Okay. Well that mom's a bitch. just like this mo- mother is in the movie. <laughs> well, not even that, but like why choose to get mad about this one? When you go back and look at all of Pixar's movies, like going back to Nemo, disobeys his dad. It's a fish, <laughs> disobeys his dad. The Nemo card, <laughs> disobeys his dad. Just last year, Luca disobeys his parents, goes on to land, and has this adventure. Like it's that's throughout Disney. Brave is the same thing. Disobeys her. I've actually never really seen all of Brave, but I know that's the plot of it. Disobeys their mom or dad. Um, like that. I don't understand why people are choosing to get mad about this one. I don't know, because they want their kids to be obedient, you know, do everything right and everything. I, I, it's just people are – certain people just want to be mad for whatever reason. And it is what it is, Ty. I, I, I don't get it. I didn't see any issues with it. I, You know, teenage girls fantasize about boy bands. You know, it's it's going to happen whether this happens or not, you know. like Yeah, for sure. Just fucking, you know, I, I – it's gonna. It it should happen, but I I can't wait. You know, for comedic purposes, to see the backlash from this same group of people when Pixar finally makes a story about a gay main character, not you know like Onward, where it was just a side character. Like, 
a, a gay main character and just the the outlash to that is going to be comical because it's you know my whole argument is like people that say oh you're teaching my kids bad things when there's a gay character like kids shouldn't see this it's like okay well you're okay when it's the other way when it's heterosexual so you're just admitting you don't you have a problem with gay people yeah it's not that you have a problem with any sexuality you have a problem with gay people because i've never heard you complain specific sexuality. but maybe this group of people is getting ahead of the curve that's why they're complaining about this one so they could be like see oh i just just starting it yeah (laughs) they're getting ready i think if anyone should be mad about this movie it's me because they did a lot of tyler bashing (laughs) okay i don't appreciate that the villain was tyler and it was just fuck tyler throughout the entire thing essentially (laughs) and then tyler was also a uh of what was it four 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 uh four star four four town four town he was a four town guy yeah do you know um uh, billy eilish's brother it's yes. one of the four town guys yes and he wrote help write the music with billy eilish it's wild maybe they'll win a, an oscar for sound next year um i had one more thing to touch on i have a question for you but it's going to come after the podcast after the review i should say because it's, it's going to tie into what you think of the movie oh my question for you ty First of two questions is, why do you think they did release this straight to Disney Plus? What do you think the logic here is? Because I was like, I go on these monologues with Riley where I know she's not listening to me, but like, <laughs> I'm trying to think out something. So I just like talk and explain it to her, but I'm really explaining it to myself. Okay. And I couldn't come up with a conclusion. I honestly have no idea. Like, I don't know if they thought that this was targeted towards a smaller audience with it being about like a teenage girl. And I think they were expecting this kind of public backlash by that you know, group. And I think part of that was like, Hey, COVID and this, like it's probably not going to perform as well as we would like it to in the box office anyways. But like, so fuck it. That's what my question is. Like any money is better than no money. Right? Like, unless it draws more people to Disney plus, that's like the theory, the theoretical answer that I said, but like how many people are signing up for Disney plus for this movie? You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyone who really is excited about this movie already has Disney Plus. I don't understand subscription services and like I guess you got to keep pumping out content. But like yeah. the number one subscription service is Amazon Prime Video. Yeah. And that's just because it comes with Amazon Prime. Like who's getting Amazon specifically for the streaming service? No one, right? Yeah, well I'm sure there's more backdoor deals like well brands in movies you know there's probably something there or whatever but like advertising and stuff yeah because like i like that very much is along the lines of disney for me like if you like disney you're gonna subscribe to disney plus either way yeah i don't know how many people possibly subs like signed up for the subscription service because of this and i get like you want to keep putting content on there but also if you release this in movies and then put it on disney plus in two months what's the difference yeah which is no, just, yeah. that's what baffles me about this yeah, for sure, and I, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it would have cost them more to, no, because everything's digital now. It's not even like an actual reel. I was like, maybe it costs more to print all the reels. It's <laughs> just, just like a fucking email thumb drive. It. Yeah, I think it's a thumb drive. I remember seeing it on Reddit. Someone explained it's like literally like a suitcase with a thumb drive in it kind of deal. Fuck yeah. Um, at least that's what they were talking about when it was Spider-Man. But I thought even, too, with Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, doing fantastic with, uh, what's the other movie that just came out that they just released that did well? Another Disney movie? Well, I know what or West Side Story. I don't know how well it did, but it was in theaters for like three months. Disney owns West Side Story. Um, no, the movie that just came, uh, Batman. The Batman's doing really well. Um, I thought I you were talking Disney. My bad. Well, I was, and then I then I thought of the Batman. Gotcha. I like combined the two things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think maybe it's just like a you kind of just take chalk it up as an L. You're like, hey, we spent the money on it. We want to keep providing, you know, fresh content. You know, 
straight to Disney Plus, Disney Plus original content, and this is a way to keep people happy. And you know, it's a long term play. They have a shit ton of money. Um, see, the thing I was thinking about when I was you know doing my monologue with Riley, I was like, oh, maybe it's a low budget film. Like, it's animated. It's the biggest star in this is what Sandra Oh, I believe is her name. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but besides her, there's like, and Sandra Oh, I'm, I don't think she's an A lister. I'm sorry, Sandra. No. Um. And besides that, it's not really, like, anyone, you know? Like, the second most famous might be uh, Jordan Fisher or Billie Eilish's brother, Phineas. Um, so I was like, maybe the budget was low. But the budget was, like, $170 million or something when I looked it up. Um, so I don't know. I don't have an answer. But Disney makes a lot of money. They know what they're doing. So who knows? They're smarter than us. Usually I'm happy when, it go- when it's a streaming movie. I'm like, oh, I don't have to go to the movies. It makes it easier. I kind of wanted to see this one in theaters. Okay. I didn't mind it being streaming. Okay. It was a nice just kind of kick back at home, have some laughs, enjoy a story. It was fine. I didn't mind it. You know I, I love me a theater experience, but this isn't like a crazy theater experience type movie. No, for sure. I mean, Pixar movie hasn't been released in theaters since Onward. This is now three in a row, straight to Disney+. Wow. Plus. All of them. Onward was my last movie I saw before COVID. Our, mine was either that or Sonic. They We watched them very close to each other. <laughs> okay. Um... Now, I don't – was Luca premium or was it free? I want to say Luca was free. So they're just saying fuck Pixar. And that might be part that's – that's a little teaser, tie about my question at the end <laughs> is Pixar's current status in the landscape. I'm just going to save that. A little spoiler. Wow. Okay. Patent pending movie ranking scale, tie. <laughs> Turning Red, Disney Pixar animated film 2022 starring Sandra Oh and a bunch of other people. Plot slash story tie. I gave this a 14. Why don't you give me your score and explanation, and then I'll explain my thought process. I gave it a 15. Um, look, it was kind of like a coming-of-age thing. She had this, you know, panda thing happen. It was like a metaphor, but also not a metaphor because yeah. they, like, directly addressed it. But I felt like the getting emotional and freaking out and becoming panda was kind of like a hormones thing. And, yeah. you know, you're changing. And there's comments about her, like, stinking and needing deodorant and that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, I thought they did that well. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just – sorry. I was just thinking of the fact that her mom was literally Godzilla-sized panda and all the other ones were just like, whatever. <laughs> just that fact of the story made me laugh. I'm not saying it was a bad part of the story. I get it because her mom seems like she had a lot of built-up rage. Yeah. Um, but it was fucking funny. I think that was a metaphor that her mom's just a giant bitch when it's the time of her mom. <laughs> like everyone else usually can handle it. Your regular size pandas, not this woman. No, I like the way it happened and everything. It was a normal, you know, coming of age story. I thought it was fun. Interesting. I don't think they did anything incredible though. I, I think it got from point A to point B and I don't think storytelling wise, it did anything special. I like the metaphor aspect and kind of how they used it, but it was also slightly confusing because it was like period, but also not. Yeah, there was a certain point where I turned that part of my brain off. Like when she yeah. became accepting of the panda, like I kind of realized like – and this was smart by Pixar even though the people who were upset are only picking up the period metaphor. They kind of made the period metaphor in the beginning but then like kind of shied away from it, you know, where you still kind of put it in front of an audience that may need it and might feel better. And the message of accepting it and not hiding it and everything is still there. But you kind of, you know, shied away from it a little bit where the whole thing doesn't feel like it's just It a just turns into a you know? girl as a as a panda. Yeah. And that's it's okay. Mm-hmm. I it, it didn't do anything incredible. I think it was a nice kind of look at like family 
dynamics and that kind of stuff for that kind of family. But it, it was it was what it was story wise. Yeah, it, that that's the same thing with me. It wasn't a poorly told story. It wasn't Pixar's best. And it, it's just it is rather I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it, it's point A to point B to point C. You know, you have this this panda thing happen and then. You know, she she uses it to get the concert tickets, which I kind of like. I know I saw some complaints where it was like complaining about this panda thing. And then, oh, they're using it to get concert tickets. How ridiculous is that? Like, that's such a pointless plot. But, like, it's a teenage girl. Like, that, it might seem pointless for you. But, like, you know, they're relating it to the character and everything and how big of a deal that would be. But it did just kind of seem like this happened and this happened. And then there was a, a predictable resolution at the end. Um it's just, you know, it's not a badly told story, 14 out of 20, but it, it's lacking that depth of, you know, either live action or other Pixar films that keeps it from being a higher score for me. I yeah. like the messaging that that might go more into key elements, um, character growth and stuff. I'm going to talk about that in characters. Maybe that wasn't there as much as other films. I do think, you know, I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now. If you really think about it, like besides the period, you know, metaphor, like, what was the difference, the message? Because we always talk about Pixar's message. What was the difference between this message of accepting who you are or this side of you and Luca? It was like the exact same a end million message. Percent. Yeah, they're like, let's have a kid who, uh-oh, something happens. They're not an actual kid. Yeah. And then, you know, tell the story. Yeah. I, don't, I can't. I don't think it there is like an individual message. It was Luca revealing his true self and being okay with it, you know, to the, the Italian town folk. And then it was the panda, you know, her accepting this panda and wanting to carry it on. Like, it, it kind of felt like Pixar split up into, like, a boys team versus girls team. And the, <laughs> the boys team was Luca and the girls team was turning red. And it was, like, an experiment by them to see, like, who was more creative and who could make it a, a better message. I... You know, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything, but I could see like Pixar being meta and trying to do something like that, like as a, a competition that no one knows about. Um, okay, <laughs> but it, it was that kind of overall message. Besides the period stuff, which again I thought was a good message to send, doesn't apply to me, but maybe one day it will. Um, but that that you other plan, you plan on it. getting your period? Well, if I have a daughter, um, <laughs> I'll show her this movie at three years old and okay. be like, "Honey, no, just kidding." <laughs> um, can you say menstruation? Um, it was just, <laughs> Jesus Christ. it was kind of similar to Luca. It was, it didn't have the depth of other things, but it was still a fun story. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, visuals and cinematography, Jay, tell okay. me which scene I loved. <laughs> you love the scene of the koi fish in the pond or the dad cooking. Both of them. <laughs> just so pretty. Just so pretty. Are you going to say it? What? You're going to say the line that you always say with Pixar movies? The rain scene from Toy Story 4? <laughs> yeah, me and Riley were having bets on if he said that. And I was like, he'll absolutely say that. I always bring it up. It's the greatest scene in, in digital animation. You're not wrong. It's just it's fucking unmatched. Wrong. And even in this, they I mean, it's such a cutaway, an unnecessary moment to <laughs> zoom in on the dad cooking. And the koi pond. And the koi pond. <laughs> Correct. Uh, but even the dad cooking, like, they could have just, she would have just gone home and continued the story. But they're like... 30-second montage of him cooking up some fucking food. It was them flexing. That's exactly million what I percent. said out loud to Riley. I was like, there was Pixar's flex. The rest of this will be the same thing. And it was. There wasn't, like, another greatly no. animated scene like that. That was the 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 combined one minute or whatever of screen time that took them fucking 
you know, 30% of the movie yeah, fucking two animation. months to animate yeah. and fucking an hour. How long do these movies take to render? Do you know? No fucking With clue. today's computers, I don't know, but I still feel like a lot because that's why animation looks so good is because they push today's computers. Yeah, you're probably right. Have You've heard the Toy Story 2 story, right? I don't know. Tell me. Where the they deleted, they accidentally deleted the movie. No shit. Yeah, hold on. I, I want to make sure I get these these details correct for not only you but the podcast audience. Um, but most importantly, the podcast audience. How Pixar's Toy Story two story was deleted twice, once by technology and again for its own good. Um, you might have heard. Let me see. The story struck me. Okay, I don't. I just want to. Pretty much the em- the the emphasis of the story is it got deleted somehow, and some lady who was on paternity leave or something happened to have the whole movie on a floppy disk or something at her house and they had to go get it and like reload it and it took like four days or something to like reload it and everything like they they pretty much deleted the the first movie how bad do you think the guy who fucking hit the delete button was freaking out (laughs) how long more better question how long do you think it took him to say something like, how long was the panic jumping around, checking every possible fucking spot on your computer before you go to your boss and say, hey, I deleted the movie? <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, so, this is... Three years later, Disney was getting ready to release the highly anticipated sequel, Toy Story 2. The movie was nearly com- complete, and final edits and changes were being made. Then the unthinkable happened. Someone hit a button, and the film's files... They probably fixed that system where one bu- – I'm sure it wasn't one button, actually. Like, But yeah. someone hit a button. The film's files were being deleted as helpless Pixar technical directors looked on. Orin <laughs> they Jacob- just had the loading bar in front of them. Like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> Orin Jacob, now chief technical officer at Pixar. So this guy got promoted. An assistant technical <laughs> technical director on the movie recalls the absolute dread that he felt as he watched the files disappear. He said he tried to stop it but couldn't do anything. He had an error. I forgot the exact one. It was like directory no longer valid because he's in a place that had just been deleted. Then he thought he'd walk up to a directory and he walked back up, uh, saw whatever. I guess stuff was deleting. The master machine goes down, says Jacob. Some people are animating a shot and they can work for like a minute or five minutes, but eventually you'll have to pull data from the master machine for some reason or other, which your machine will freeze. Eventually every animator and every technical director, everyone working on the show goes, oh, all the machines are down. Let's go to lunch. Ha ha. He said when they checked the machines later to check on the film's backups were saved, only 10% of the film's files remained. Something had gone wrong with the backup machines, and the files were gone from there as well. I didn't realize floppy disks could hold so much information Um, at the time. Maybe it wasn't a floppy disk. Let's see. Galen Suzman, who was the supervising technical director, she had been working from home after the birth of her baby. The film's files were automatically sent to her on a weekly basis, and she kept all of the files on her personal computer at home. Okay, so she had him on her personal computer. I'm sure they probably had to bring that fucking computer into the yeah. Pixar office and, like, load it back up. And imagine the car ride. Just, like, you know, because if you're in that situation, you're paranoid of getting in an accident, of something happening, and the computer just <laughs> breaking. Like, fuck, man. That's incredible. If they if that lady doesn't have a child and work from home, Pixar may not be Pixar. Yeah, exactly. That was the third movie. Yeah, exactly. That's fucking awesome. Um, back to turning red though. I gave it a 19 out of 20 for visuals. <laughs> okay. Uh, 18. Okay. I thought you'd give it the 19 treatment with the, that extra little flexing scene. I don't know. The flexing scene wasn't no, wasn't no toy story Four flexing scene. It looked great though. Uh, it was a, it was a simplistic animation style. It was cartoony. It was yeah. More cartoony than, 
realistic like the Toy Story 4 rain scene. Yeah, or Soul for comparison. Yeah. And because of that, like I, I respect the stylistic choice, and I think it looked very good, and I think when they wanted to flex, they did. And I think like the fur on the panda and shit, I'm sure it's like individually animated. Oh, and yeah. It looks amazing. It did look good. Yeah, it you, looks really good. Me and Rai had a conversation about that. Like Every single one of those furs, yeah, was its own little thing. Yeah. But they had to animate. Looked fantastic. I like the realistic. I feel like it's more work to make something look as realistic as Soul did. No, for sure. The only reason I gave it a 19 is I feel like there was a little bit of like anime vibes in this. They didn't go that full direction, but you know, with the cast being, um, you know, predominantly Asian and I believe the director might've been Asian as well. I don't, uh, Domi, she, um, there was slight kind of anime influences in this. What? Nothing. Um, did you just ask if someone named Domi she was Asian? I didn't know okay. who the, the director was. Um, she's from China. Okay. Um, she actually also directed Bao, the uh, short film. Great short. Where Miko audibly said something out loud in the theater. I remember that made us all laugh. I don't remember exactly what he said. Did he? Yeah, during that. Because it was in before Incredibles 2, I believe. He said something funny. Um I don't think he understood it. Something. But I, I like, there was like slight kind of anime vibes going on. Like not full, but they had that slight, you know, kind of, they had moments where it was like that. And it was also a little bit like, um, not fully, they didn't fully dive into this part of it, but a little reminiscent of Mitchell's versus the machines where they told it For through sure. the girls kind of filmmaking style. And this film at parts was like almost told through, um, main character's name, uh, May Lee. Maylee. Maylee. Uh, like kind of yeah. her perspective, her personality. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, it's not full Mitchell versus the machines, which I proclaimed the greatest animated movie of all time last night. Um, and I stand by that. Even though my score is not the highest, um, if I redid like, it, it would be the highest. Like well, you've, you've given better animated scores. I think only Wally, to be fair. But I would it give an it a I'd probably give it like a 95 if I did it again, Ty. Looking through here, it may only be Wally. You're, you're right. I... I mean this with all of my sincerity. I've never watched a movie that has made me laugh and cry as much as animated or not as Mitchell's versus the machines. I was on the plane to the way to, on a, the way to Orlando and I was a little bit on edge. So maybe that's part of the reason why I was sobbing four different times and I was laughing my ass off many times. It's a good movie. It's I don't think fantastic. it's the best animated movie of all time. It's a good movie. They need to make a sequel with the brother in the few years when he's going to college. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. And instead of robots, it'll be dinosaurs coming back and like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I gave it a 19, though, because it, it did have that flex scene. I like that it was cartoony. I mean, yes, it does take more work to make it more realistic. But I did like that that animating style. It wasn't just cartoony with a flexing scene. It was kind of had a, a style to it that for, maybe a movie like Luca didn't have. For sure. No, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And that, 18 is still a really good score. Um, I think there was a lot that looked really good. I, I enjoyed parts of this and, and the way it looked. The flexing scene's awesome. Um, yeah. I had something else to say, and I can't remember it. So, Key elements, Ty. I gave this a 17 out of 20, and I kind of already touched on some of the points. Um, the Pixar, you know, you talk about the, the meaning of the movie, and we talked about kind of how it's similar to Luca. But I, I do think there is kind of a, a message that might not relate to me, and, you know, I saw Riley getting teary-eyed, but almost like that mother-daughter dynamic um, and kind of like um, – I can't I, trauma seems like a very heavy word to use, but I guess that's the only word I can think of right now, but kind of like generational trauma that can sometimes be passed down and it doesn't have to be horrible trauma, but you know, like the grandmother passing down the, the, tr- you know, that trauma to the mom passing it down to the daughter where they all want to be perfect for each other, blah, blah, blah. 
similar to kind of Encanto a little bit where Riley brought up that point. They're doing a lot of like generational trauma kind of style stories right now. Yeah. Um, but I thought that message, you know, there's a lot of people who will relate to that, you know, and it will touch them in that regard. Um, it was funny. It was a, you know, Pixar movies always coming with the, the family funny though, not just like kid funny. Like it was actually family funny and it, it was just, it was a Pixar movie. It's been, I, there's been better Pixar movies evident by 17 out of 20, but I couldn't give it any lower than that. Did I say my score yet? No, you didn't. 17. Okay. Same score as you. <laughs> um, yes, to everything you said. Uh, I, With this being said, key elements, this movie is just so aggressively not made for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it's just like Asian culture, mom-daughter, periods. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just not for us. Yeah. Still had a blast with it, though. Well, like... And I compare it to a movie like Onward, you know, where I don't know what I gave key elements. I don't think I actually have Onward on the sheet. I don't, no, but yeah. um, don't say no. You don't have my sheet open. You weren't doing it for that long. I remember. Was I right? My first one ever was, besides last year's March Movie Madness, was Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, I don't, can't believe it took me this long to do it. But Onward, though, it kind of had that father-son story where maybe we might have related a little bit more. Where, like, yep. the period mother-daughter stuff, you know. It's still sad and emotional, and it was funny and everything, but yeah, it's it's not a movie that's necessarily made for us, but it was still very entertaining, and you know. Yeah, for sure. I, I do like the, you know, kind of outcast vibes where they weren't like the popular kids type deal. Um, the friend group was interesting, and the way they handled that, and that kind of dynamic of friends versus parents mm-hmm. type thing. Um, you know, I, I appreciated that. The comedy was there. There was a lot of funny scenes that made me laugh. The emotion was kind of there. Um, not as much, I, I, but again, not for us. Mm-hmm. Maybe more for someone Did else. Victoria cry? She was asleep. Oh, <laughs> not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so she still hasn't seen the end of this movie. <laughs> but um, I I enjoyed it a, a pretty decent bit in terms of that. Uh, again, not incredible, not anything groundbreaking, but I think it achieved most of what it was trying to do. Yeah, for sure. Um. You touched on, I said it was funny, you touched on the the outcast girl characters, the friends, um, jumping over into characters. I gave it a 14 out of 20, and before I explain why, I might have given it a little bit of a lower score. That's how we're, like, that's how good Pixar is, where it's like, when it gets something under a 15, you almost have to explain why it wasn't a higher score. For sure. Um, But the things I did like, um, I really liked the friend group. They were all different in their own regard. The little short one, I don't remember her name, she was fucking hilarious. That Victoria did enjoy her the most. (laughs) She was... I wanted more of her. <laughs> that sounded bad. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but she was funny. Um, the other, like the um, the serious friend. Yeah. Um, she like they they all like they very distinct. Well. But yeah, they there was flowed. like the leader who was kind of like more generic, kind of dorky. But then yeah, there was like the the short crazy one. Um, they stole the fluffy line from Despicable Me though. Whatever. Um, but did they, they actually say fluffy line? Yeah, when she hugged her. It's so fluffy. So you're so fluffy, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and then the serious friend was like, they they just had they they worked well off of each other, and the main character as well, um, that kind of character writing. The mom, you know, was the bitchy mom and everything, and like she has a little bit of character growth on the at the end, being more accepting. For sure. I just think what what kept it from being a higher score is there's always naturally a little bit of a barrier with this category with animated movies. Unfortunately, the way I just look at it. Yes, you know, there's great voice acting, but I'm always going to favor um, actual phys- physical acting. And maybe for characters, it's capped out at 18 out of 20 on animated. I know that's not completely fair, but I don't know. But I, I just felt like while the characters were good, I didn't think there was necessarily that character depth. I talked about it with the story that might have made it a deeper 
you know, score, you know, the, the mother, yeah, she was kind of rude and she became more accepting at the end, you know, but there wasn't like this, you know, we talk about <laughs> completely different movie, the Batman, where it's like, it's a character <laughs> movie and the depth of the character. And like, you kind of have to think about it, you know, to kind of process it more. And like, I, I didn't see too much of that. It wasn't that the characters were bad, but even like movies like soul, like the whole process of tackling death and the main character. I fucking love that movie. The main character you know, about to live out his dream and then literally dying before his dream. And then the whole movie is him slowly coming to the terms of his own death. And like that slow character growth in there, like that's the kind of shit that gets Pixar up to the upper, upper echelon of, you know, the character score. And this just didn't fully have that. It was a great coming of age story, you know, but it wasn't, it didn't have that level of depth in, I don't know, 14, 15. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah. I, Again, you're hitting all the points. <laughs> I, I, it maybe I should let you talk first. No, but it's and what you say with animation, I I don't think I've ever given an animated score higher than eighteen for characters. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I would. But I'm just I need not sure what would it take character development and a lot of very good characters developing yeah. throughout a movie and good voice acting does help. I think all the voice acting was fine in this. I don't think there's any like Oscar worthy. Yeah. Kind of fucking, you know, incredible doing a great job with an animated role. Um, like you said, the mom has some character development. Not a lot, but it happens. Mm-hmm. The daughter has some character development. Not a lot. Yeah. You know, but it's very much like here's these groups and I like how they interacted and I liked the relationship between the mom and daughter and those characters and, and you know, that kind of what how that played into the plot um, between the friend group and everything. And I like how it. You know, they, they, the group worked well together, but there was no growth really from anyone. It was, here's these type of characters. And like you have, like you said, the serious friend and the, the short one who's just the super fucking hyper friend. And, <laughs> you know, they created these characters and they say these characters. Yeah. And, and there's nothing more there. And that's, that's fine. Fifteen's fine. And I like the way they interacted. And it wasn't, you know, super unbelievable fucking fake, you know, what, what is it? Like line... Line delivery. Del- delivery. Thank you. <laughs> um, but it was it was okay. The characters were okay. I wonder what we gave Wally for characters because that movie does a fantastic job of growing two characters and showing character growth with two characters who combined can say two things. Correct. Like that is the kind of like you know that that's a huge challenge that they did that. I don't remember exactly what we gave it when we did it, but that's something that probably got that eighteen or whatever. Like that cockroach has more character growth than some of these characters. <laughs> um, that being said, I did think they were funny. Um, it was it was yeah. a funny lighthearted movie. Like the line where they said they were going to the concert and they were going to become women and just stuff like that. Like it was fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it worked. But again, like from a upper echelon of scores, you just can't go much higher than this. Yeah. I agree. Enjoyment. What'd you give it? 16. Damn, I was hoping you'd give it a 15. Why? Because if you did, we would have had two podcasts in a row where we gave a movie the exact same. No, wait, did we give Batman the same score? Or do you give no, Batman? no, characters change it because you give characters a 19 for Batman. Yeah, I did. Um, I gave this a 16. I enjoyed it. It was a fun, lighthearted watch. It was. It's a movie that... Again, I'm not someone who rewatches a ton of movies, but this is a movie I would rewatch again. It's you could probably turn it on any time. Um, it's just fun and lighthearted, you know. Yeah, it's the, it's super super easy watch. Um, again, it's not one of my favorites. 
I think I like a lot of other Pixar stuff more because Pixar is usually in the 17, 18, 19 effortlessly. Mm, okay. Continue. <laughs> um, but in like older Pixar, I should I should say. Going off, I know what you're going to ask, and you're right, but um, Pixar is usually super easy to watch, and you love Pixar movies, and you go back to them. This one is is kind of very similar to Luca, in my opinion, where it was better, better than Luca, though. Don't want to get that part twisted. I gave it six points higher, so I got to say it's better. Uh, okay, I, I gave it one point higher. Oh, really? Than Luca. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't like Luca as much. <laughs> yeah, and for me, they're, they're kind of on the same level. This one's more fun. I think it's an easier watch, and it's something I would go back to more often than I would Luca. But they're very much on the same same kind of levels for me. For sure, I think it's yeah a little bit notch higher than Luca. I gave it I gave Luca a seventy four out of one hundred. I gave Turning Red an eighty. Um, yeah, it's just it's like a mid tier Pixar movie in my humble opinion. Um, but these these are the kind of movies they turn out, man. It's consistent eighty plus most times, besides Luca and maybe Cars two and some others. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it was good. It was a fun watch, and you, you just – they're the most consistent studio there is probably. Yeah, for sure. And even looking at it, I gave it one point higher than Luca. I gave it an 81 for my final score. Luca probably deserves to be like 77 range, which is our combined score. Yeah. So that worked out well. <laughs> you know, that, that mid-70s where this does crack the 80s, it's just same level, step ahead. It's above the line. It's deservedly so. Right um, there. You know, it's a fun watch, but – it's it's nothing incredible, and I don't understand why it's getting so much hate. Well, we do understand why it's getting so much hate. No, I don't, Jay. Why does this stand out compared to the others that do the same thing? Because, well, this one also talks about a period, so that's oh, why. Okay, yeah. Um, turning Red, 80.5 consensus score tied with Cruella and Step Brothers. Both of those films we also gave 80s and 81s. Step Brothers, you gave an 81. I gave an 80. So we gave Step Brothers the exact same score as That's Turning for Red. story. <laughs> You know that's for story. I think it scored 20s in every other category and then a one for story. <laughs> no, it was like probably like six for story. And then, <laughs> um, and then Cruella, which was might be my most surprising movie of 2021. I haven't. Okay. Like, maybe we should have done this as a podcast. That would have been a good, good idea. Like our own. Maybe we'll do it with the Oscars. Maybe that'll be our extra episode, the Oscar week. We'll give out our, our awards for oh. the movies we reviewed. Fuck yeah. Well, one of the nominees for most surprising movies is Cruella, because I expected that movie to not be good for me, and it was pretty good. It was an 80.5. It's pretty good. Um, right not there bad. with Turning Red. Yeah, exact, literally right there. <laughs> exact same score. Um, tied for 37th um, with two other films. Out so, of 114. That's a lot of movies. So we give – so we have – well, we have 39 movies above the line. And there's 114. Oh, no, Good Boys is above the line as well. So we have 40 movies above the line. And how many movies? 114? Yep. 35% of our movies make it above the line. We watch good movies, okay? We do. We choose um, to watch the better of the movies. If we watched every movie, it would be an even... We've also, was that a bell curve? It'd yeah. be a bell curve. We've also gone back and watched older, really good movies. I think our Infinity War, we went back and watched. Wolf of Wall Street, Django. Spider-Man No Way Home is the highest, like, in-the-moment review. That 1917, yeah. fucking great film, 1917 is. Great film. Inception, Wall-E, no. Anchorman, Hamilton, Shang-Chi. 1917, we went back and watched. I remember seeing that in the theaters. Oh, You did, and then you made me rewatch oh, it, and we watched yeah. it. was on our bracket. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Inception, right. Wall-E, Anchorman, nothing comes. Hamilton. Hamilton. 
It's fucking great. Um, my question for you, Ty. That's great. Outside of Hamilton, like the only because Hamilton like musical different. Shang Chi and Spider Man. It's just two Marvel movies. And then Joker, Jojo Rabbit. I'm sure we've reviewed Far From Home, which I've said plenty of times in this podcast. That's too high. Way too high. Um, you gave it a 90. Um, I said it's way too high. <laughs> Pixar time. My question for you. And I brought this up, and Riley initially looked at me like I was crazy. Okay. But I think it has legitimate merit that have we seen Pixar peak? Has Pixar, like, we've talked about it with the MCU and the Infinity War, like, although now after seeing Spider-Man No Way Home and seeing all the stuff they're doing with Doctor Strange, I don't think this will actually happen, (laughs) but we had the conversation, like, they might have peaked, and, like, there'll still be the MCU, we'll still love it, but nothing will ever be, like, Infinity War again. I think Pixar might have peaked, and I think it might have peaked a decade and a half ago. With what? Four-year stretch. Here's my, well, I wanted to make a bigger stretch, but Riley made me shrink the stretch a little bit. Um, but the peak is just like its first 10 years. I think if you look at Pixar, the turning point, the inflection point, and this doesn't mean every movie after it was bad because there are some good movies that came after it. The inflection point in Pixar is Cars 2. Okay. The, look, the movies before Cars 2, Toy Story, one of the best. Bugs Life is the worst of the early movies. Easily. Um, but it's okay. Second movie, they're still getting their feet wet. Yep. Toy Story 2, one they of the best. They almost deleted the entire thing. It's fantastic. <laughs> Monsters, Inc. You know, it's a it's a classic. Finding Nemo, classic. Incredibles, classic. Cars, classic. Come on. We appreciate it. land at Disneyland. We appreciate it. Ratatouille, classic. WALL-E, classic. Up, classic. Toy Story 3, classic. Cars 2. Ooh. And then you Brave. have Brave. Oof. Monsters University. Oof. And then they, okay. they rebound with Inside Out. They had a nice little good you know. dinos, whatever. And then they go on their sequel run where three of their next four movies are sequels. Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, which is, I think, the main standout of the last, you know, I think Million some percent. people would say Inside Out. I think Coco personally. Um, I, I think in that stretch, it's those two and everything else. Yeah, but then Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4, Onward, which was good. Soul, which is good. They still got pretty high scores on our on our scale. I think they got like 86s or something like that. Um, Luca turning red, like the seven, you know, the, the cars two was the 12th movie. This is the 25th. So it's like, you know, you, you rank the top five and we've done a top 10 Pixar rankings and I got ridiculed cause I had a lot of sequels in the top 10. I probably take that back. Okay. I was stupid back then. I was younger. I'm, glad, I'm um, so glad you admitted that uh, ridiculous. <laughs> it was recency bias. Okay. Dick, you had Incredibles two over Incredibles. <laughs> I might still stand by that one. No fucking Um, chance. But you think of like a a consensus top 10 Pixar list, like the only movies that might crack it in the second half of Pixar's life are Coco and Inside Out. And that's more than half of the movies. Yeah. My peak, uh, my four-year peak when I was forced to pick one was um, (laughs) Cars, Ratatouille, Wally, and Up. Only because Up is, like, everyone's favorite. Wally was, like, everyone's favorite. Riley is Ratatouille's favorite. And then Cars is my favorite. <laughs> I I think I would But I think you could make a case for down. Toy Story 2 to The Incredibles, honestly. Yes. I, I think that's very good. I think instead of Cars to Up, we go Ratatouille to Toy Story 3. Fuck you. <laughs> Put Toy Story 3 in, kick Cars out. Fuck you. <laughs> um, but it's, there's... I mean, there's just not that stretch here. I think Onward and Soul back-to-back were fantastic. Um, 
But they're not top ten. They're not. They just aren't. And I think they're very good and very enjoyable movies. They just aren't the same as original Pixar. Yeah. So with that being said, I think maybe Pixar has peaked. On the counterpoint to that, Disney animation okay, has hold been. On, hold on, hold on, you're you're jumping ahead. That's my next point. Save that thought. Okay. Save that thought. Um, my final point with the Pixar conversation, Ty, <laughs> is is it just nostalgia? Are those early movies really so much better than the second half? Or yes. is it because they were pioneers in this avenue that made them so much better than they really were? No, they're fantastic films. Okay. <laughs> That's, Toy Story is fantastic. Toy Story 2 is fantastic. Finding Nemo is fantastic. Incredible is fantastic. Wally. We just reviewed it last year and it cracked like our top five. Yeah. It's fantastic. Up is so good. Ratatouille. You know, all of these. They're so good. Yeah. That can't be understated. Yeah. They they yeah. were the defining thing of like digital animation. And for a reason, it's because they had really good animation and really good fucking stories to go along with it. You're right. There ain't no nostalgia playing in there, my guy. <laughs> Um, what, I mean, are you going to move on? Was that your yeah, last point? What, what is, what were you about to say? Lightyear. Oh yes. Me and Rye talked about that. Are we concerned? Fifth. Oh, I'm not concerned. I think this, I think Lightyear is going to be the movie that comes back to theaters. I think that they're not oh, going to sure. bring that one to Disney plus. Yeah. That one's going to be a fucking visual spectacle. That's going to be the cooking scene for two <laughs> hours. And I can't wait. I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful, but maybe we are worried. I don't know. I'm not. I can't wait. Wally, oh. the space looks so good in Wally, and that was released in 2008. <laughs> That's so long ago. I was fucking 10 years old. It's directed by Angus McLean. Um, when does it come out? This year, right? June 17th. So coming up, birthday movie for you. Ah, a little bit before your birthday. No, I, I think it's going to look visual. I think even if their stories have been going down, the animation's continues to impress yeah for sure and i think this is the last time they really really flexed was toy story 4 (laughs) and we're just going back to toy story to see him flex again yeah yeah i think it'll be good and i think with the story they're trying to tell here it has a chance to be a really good well-told story i just we'll see i don't really know I, i know it's like his origin story but i don't know about the the touching side of pixar the message and all that kind of stuff how that's gonna compare you know what i mean because this feels the most like a comic book movie for pixar you know what i mean yeah i i i have i have confidence like cars cars is, might not have a deep emotional meaning behind it the emotional meaning is life is a highway and i want to ride it all night long <laughs> hey cars might might not be one of your favorite tie but it has the best song of any pixar movie um it's fantastic you're bringing up walt disney animation so here is my theory and i know he's problematic and i think it was 2010 was when he made the transition i don't remember the exact year i could research it but i'm not going to john lasseter is when john lasseter started taking over uh he also took over walt disney animation i'm sure he probably focused more energy there um it just seems like that was the turning point and it's like you look at the movies that they've released i mean um I'll date it back to Wreck-It Ralph. I mean, you know, I personally really liked the movie. It was the first of the 3D animated where they started doing what uh, Tangled was technically, actually. But a lot of people like Tangled. Then they had a Winnie the Pooh movie. Winnie the Pooh movie. 
Whatever. This is literally, I mean, this is hit for hit. You have the Toy Story with Tangled where it's fantastic. Second one, figuring it out. Continue. Yeah, and then Wreck-It Ralph, you know, I personally love. You have Frozen, which is the biggest, like, movie, right, like, of the last decade animated, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. Last 15 years, last, maybe ever. I think it might be the top grossing. Like, what's a more popular animated film than Frozen? (laughs) Me and Victoria watched Shrek 1 and Shrek 2 back-to-back. Well, good. Shrek 2's on our March movie Madness. um, Yeah? You did some early homework. Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, Big Hero 6. Personally, I haven't seen it. I know a lot of people love it. Incredible. Absolutely fantastic film. Zootopia. Our friend Miko's one of his favorite movies. Apparently, he watches it like once a month. Yeah? Yeah, that's what Darlene told me. That's a good movie. I think he's got a thing for animals. Oh, shit. (laughs) Put Miko on blast in the pod. (laughs) I'm going to get a text as soon as he gets this. We're getting group texts. I don't fucking have a thing for animals. Um, (laughs) One of Ty's favorite movies, Moana. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the worst of the bunch, but I still loved it. Ralph breaks. Oh, the I thought you were saying that about Moana. <laughs> no. We were about to go to fucking. I was gonna swing on you. <laughs> um, Ralph breaks the internet. I still liked it. Frozen two. They went on their little sequel run, but still, Frozen two made a shit ton of money. Yeah. Ray and the Last Dragon, which re- we really liked. Yeah. Um, especially you. You liked it more than I, I did. Was fantastic. And then Encanto, which is objectively better than both Luca and Turning Red. And I think Encanto is like the closest thing to Frozen, where it's it's fucking everywhere tiktok my guy yeah tiktok is blowing this movie up so it's like disney animation and this might be a little bit of a strategic play by disney who knows um but disney animation you know was the powerhouse you know they had that insane 90s run which even pixar's peak i don't think can match the the three-year peak of beauty and the beast aladdin and the lion king like just culturally like that's like (laughs) and well so they had the rescuers in 1990. Scratched that one out. Little Mermaid in 89. So they released four of the you know six biggest animated movies ever, like just in terms of cultural impact in the five years. Boom, year boom, boom, boom. Um, and then they kind of fell off a little bit. You know, like they had Mulan, they had Tarzan, but then like early 2000s kind of sucked for them. Brother Bear, Treasure Planet, Home on the Range, Lilo and Stitch, people like, but very good. Um, Pixar kind of stole it from them a little bit. Chicken Little, which is the most non-Disney Disney movie I've ever seen. And I think Disney Animation, even though they're all the same company now, has grabbed it back. And Pixar has peaked. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Because, like, Pixar, I think, was just on another level. Disney Animation was still putting out some pretty decent move. Like, Tarzan's very good. Mulan's very good. Emperor's New Groove. People like it. It's a Okay, but movie. that's nothing to it's Toy not, Story. But it's not like they were putting out shit. Whereas Disney now, I feel like is kind of, or Pixar is now kind of in the stretch where like they're just putting out good movies, kind of like this, Lilo and Stitch, very good movie. I, that's one of the better ones. Yeah, but I guess they've never been bad. They bad might be unfair, but it is a, a dry spell. I think both box office and just terms of yeah, for sure. Especially when you compare like the the I don't want to say cultural impact, but the like the the and i guess the ancillary um merchandise and everything of the the little mermaid beating the beast aladdin lion king like that stretch you compare that like you don't see the emperor's new group at fucking disneyland you know what i mean you don't see tarzan i mean they do have the swiss family treehouse i'll give them that mulan doesn't have anything like they they didn't get these like marketable stories and characters um lilo and stitch has a little bit but not a lot like and then besides that have you ever seen chicken little disneyland I didn't I'll, even know it was a fucking Disney movie. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, If you, like, gun to my head, I say Universal. <laughs> exactly. Like, Bolt. 
Bolt is another one where it's like the most non-Disney movie, Disney movie ever. Yeah. With that being said, Meet the Robinsons doesn't get enough love. <laughs> Such a good movie. Such a good movie. It's good. Uh, uh, Goop from it, or Goob, whatever his name is, looks like Rich Hill. So, child Goob. Rich Hill. Former Dodger pitcher. Still pitches in the league. Child Goop? Goob, meet the Robinsons when you oh, were a kid. Oh, fuck yeah. He's got the dark eyes and everything. Yeah, the bags. That's yeah. a great call. That's Riley's call. She came up with that. That's we a great call, call, Rich Hill Goob. We didn't call him Rich Hill. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I think Pixar has peaked. I think Disney Animation may have taken the reins, and I don't know. Maybe it's an internal battle. We'll see what's next. The next Pixar movie, like we said, is Lightyear. The next Walt Disney Animation movie is Strange, Strange World. World coming out next November. So we got some time. I've never even heard of this. I haven't either. I mean, it's doesn't seem like there is much information on it. So strange world, Disney. That's just a logo. Let me look at this logo. I'll explain it to the listeners who might not be able to look at home. My internet's going so slow. I just lost internet connection. Good thing. The audacity doesn't run an internet connection. Here we go. Nice. That kind of looks like, okay. So for the, my listeners at home that don't, can't look it up. It's got, it's orange and yellow. And it kind of looks like DuckTales riding a little bit, doesn't it? Kind of. Um, oh, they released concept art. It's a, a I don't want to say father, but an older gentleman and a son. And it looks like, you remember Journey to the Center of the Earth and they came out and there was like, it looks like like when movies go into the center of the Earth, like King Kong or Journey to the Center of the Earth. There's like a new world underneath and there's like floating islands and stuff. That's what it looks like. Looks like some like pterodactyl looking thing. Maybe not pterodactyl, some dinosaurs. They're exploring a strange world. I yeah, the legendary Clades Clads. I think that's their family name. Are a family of explorers who differences threaten to topple their latest and most crucial mission. My guess is the kid doesn't want to be an explorer. The dad wants. It's like the whole you're living out my dream, not your thing. Oh, living out. He's got to find himself. Life. Yeah. Um. Speaking of that, Ty, random Rotten Tomatoes. You got anything else about turning red or Pixar? Nope. Um. Random Rotten Tomato movie score. I watched a movie yesterday because I promised Riley I would. And part of the messaging in that movie is the whole I'm living your dream, not my own. And that film is a Cinderella story. Oh. I farted. I hope the is podcast that the Is that, that the, the Camila Cabello one? No, this is 2004. Okay. She just did a Cinderella movie like last year. No, I think it was just called Cinderella. Gotcha. Um, this was 2004. It's got Hilary Duff. Oh, it's that one. Okay. Jennifer Coolidge, Chad Michael Murray, Dan Bird, Regina King. That's all that's worth mentioning. Okay. Um, it was, I thought it, it has all the makings of being a Disney Channel original movie, but it's not apparently. It was mm. a universal movie. And you could tell because you could tell they were on the universal back lot. Um, Love that in movies. What was that one movie we watched? Uh, outside the wire yeah fuck yeah just the <laughs> most on set i've ever seen in a movie just took me right out of it um still a decent movie though um so i promised riley i'd watch this i guess one of you know her favorites whatever um what do you think got around tomatoes ty 16 <laughs> percent. oh you were close my guy 12 oh shit and i did a movie scale for her okay and i was being a little bit generous so i didn't Okay. And I gave it like a 42 and she got mad at me, said I criminally underrated it. And I was like, Riley, it has a 12% 53 audience. It's not even a low score, high audience. Like our movie law abiding citizen. Yeah. Like it's not 
I think 42, like, I thought I was doing it a favor. It also Sounds came, like so it came out in 2004. It's not going to be our March movie, Madness movie, but, um, yeah, it's a movie I'm going to forget I watched in three weeks. Okay. I have a feeling it's going to be what's – I think it's on our scale. Let me take a look at our really shitty movies we reviewed. One of them, I think, was a Riley recommendation. Oh, um, Drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred. It wasn't to that level. No, it, sure? it's better. Yeah. It's in the – Drop Dead Fred, 25 out of 100. I only gave it a 23. It's in the It's in it's like a it's a home team movie. It's in that range. Where is home team? 37 and Okay, a half. I thought I was I was way too high for it to be this point. Okay, it's a, it's a it's kind of mid 30s. Yeah. Level. It's that kind of Tom movie. and Jerry. Mulan. Bliss, great movie. Fuck. 56? <laughs> I forgot about that. Why did you rate that so high? Because that was like my first ever Matrix-esque movie. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. Noted. <laughs> I um, mean, the the worst call of all time by you is The Tomorrow War. No, that movie sucks. You gave it a 36 That movie sucks. That movie's a fucking blast. That movie sucks, dude. Fucking blast. You gave it twice as high as me. Yeah, I doubled up. <laughs> and it deserves it. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's so fucking bad. Oh, my God. And Hubie Halloween is our other massive difference. Um, yeah. I told Rye we were going to make it a Halloween tradition to watch that every year, and we didn't watch it this year. So I don't think that's actually going to happen. Good. Um, I'm happy for Riley. She probably did that intentionally. <laughs> I got nothing else for you, Ty. What do we got next week? Next week, we're pivoting. I don't know if we ever announced this part of our schedule, but we had some other movies. Forget those movies. The Adam Project starring uh, Ryan Reynolds came out this Netflix? week. Netflix. Got Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, um, who has Zoe Saldana, and oh, I know her name. Is it Zoe Saldana? Maybe. Is her name Zoe? Yeah, it's Zoe Saldana. Ty, get it right. I mean, depending on how you pronounce it, you could say Z O is Zoe, and then the E is E, Zoe. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> Jennifer Gardner also in this. Um, Netflix movie. It's kind of fun. Ryan Reynolds time travels. For sure. And we also have our extra March Movie Madness releasing um, later this week. Yes. This weekend, I'll with, say. With which which part of our bracket are we doing again? 2004 versus – well, it's not versus because we're just ranking – we're ranking three movies from each of the four years, two different episodes, so two years each episode, um, six movie reviews in total. They obviously won't be this long. They'll be about 10 minutes each if we do it properly. Um, so the first two years we're doing, I believe, is 20. 18 and 20, 2004, 2012, 2004, something like 2012. that. 2012. Yeah. It's got the Avengers in it. 2012 and 2004. So we'll review six movies from those. You said 10 movies. minutes apiece. I'm going to need at least 25 for Shrek 2. <laughs> okay. Such a good movie. Okay. Shrek I need to rewatch just it. as it's, good. It's They're, been a while. Let me tell you, Jay, you're going to have a blast. Because <laughs> revisiting them is just so much fun. <laughs> and it's not even like I haven't watched it since I was a child. I probably watched it like six months ago. Wow. And I just went back, and it's just so much fun. Okay. It's a good time. <laughs> okay. Noted. Um, yeah, but that next week in... I don't know when we're recording the bracket one. That'll come out, though. I said it's coming out in the weekend, so we got to do it sometime. Okay. <laughs> That's when. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.